0: Welcome to Unscripted Startups. I'm your host, Cameron Stack. Today I have a special guest, Taylor Buckley. She is the co founder of My School Dance, and she's also a cohort member of the business school here at the University of Utah's new Masters of Entrepreneurship. Thanks for coming on the show. No
1: problem. Thank you for having me.
0: I saw that you have a lot of positions that are more geared towards the health aspect of business. I know you got your BS in business at Notre Dame, but tell me a little more about why business and what's your story?
1: So I actually, I majored in entrepreneurial management at the University of Notre Dame. And I think when I went to college, entrepreneurship wasn't what it is today um, I went to you know I graduated nine years ago I eight or nine years ago and it just it wasn't the same it wasn't as fast-paced but I actually always knew that I had wanted to be an entrepreneur I grew up in a family of entrepreneurs my parents are entrepreneurs my grandparents are entrepreneurs and so I've always had that bug I never really understood what vacation time was How how everyone always had to take vacation around holidays I just thought you kind of did what you you know wanted to do um, and that was the best part of running your own business. However, I did not know all of the other things that went along with running your own business. But I had always had an entrepreneurial spirit. I think I operated my first company when I was seven years old. It was a dog walking business. I printed business cards. I handed out flyers. So I was very spirited, I would say, as a kid. And so then when I went to college and majored in entrepreneurship, and then I got out of college, and like most people who go to some of the top liberal arts colleges, you end up in consulting. And so I did a lot of consulting and with health organizations. And then I went into some more marketing consulting. And when I got burned out and tired of being in the consulting world, I actually left to become a health coach. And I've always also been interested in health, in fitness through my own health journey. I um, did some competitive bodybuilding and then I was able to inspire others and then went back to some school to get some more certifications in that. And then I was able to help clients. Um, And it's still something that I'm really passionate about, health is, but it's a really hard industry to be in. It's hard to really make your name. There's a lot of media that's involved and I just didn't love it anymore. So I haven't, I still have some clients, but I don't do too much of it. But I've been doing business for as long as I can remember now.
0: That sounds like an amazing journey you've had. And that's what I love about business is If you do get bored of something or you're not as passionate as you were before, there's lots of other things to pick from so you can move on. It's not like you have to restart your career per se. And yeah, the health industry is very competitive. Unless you're like a media person and you have like a bunch of books out and like, you know, that stuff.
1: I didn't want to curate my life like that anymore, I think, on social media. I just wanted to live my life.
0: So tell me a little bit about how you came to be involved with My School Dance.
1: One of the other co-founders of My School Dance is actually my dad. My dad has a 30-year-old IT company. It operates primarily in schools and they have another technology product that is sold mostly in schools. And so when I was deciding to leave my corporate consulting and sort of get into health coaching, I knew I wasn't going to be making a ton of money. So I went and I worked for my dad and When I was in high school, I was in every club and I planned a lot of the dances. So the cheerleaders, they planned the winter formal and the student council planned the homecoming and I was president and captain of the mall. The process was super archaic and it was, you know, paper tickets at the door and permission slips and papers, just endless amount of administrative tasks and then, I went to college. I worked. I got out of college, and then I had a sister who was ten years younger than me. And dances were still being done exactly the same way, and so that uh, really inspired us. And my dad was like, "Why don't you take this on?" And so then it became my project. uh, And our other, our technical co-founder is a longtime family friend, and he's an incredible developer, incredible engineer. We've been really lucky to have the team that we have and the support that we have with our parent company and being in the connections and the knowledge of education and specifically education technology, because it's a very niche um, industry that requires different sales tactics. And so we've been really fortunate to have already had experience in that industry. And so we're able to scale off of that.
0: What does the features in My School Dance platform exactly do?
1: My School Dance is an online dance event management platform for schools. So it's mainly used think homecoming or prom, winter formal. We do everything from online ticket sales, digital permission forms, out of school guest forms. We have a really great check-in system that actually text alerts parents when students arrive and leave. So we're really focusing on student safety and security as well as just making the lives easier of the teachers and administrators who are tasked with planning school dances that often take over 25 hours of management.
0: That sounds like an awesome tool to have for every school.
1: It is, and it's free for the school.
0: Definitely. It sounds like you have a good framework built up. So this podcast is all about untraditional startups and building something that fits your terms, whether it's a like Side hustle, a weekend flipping business, or you want to make it full time, whatever it is, it's about helping you achieve those goals. So, how would you say, like, your experience with a family business and you doing remote? Because I know your office is based out of Chicago. How has that untraditional way of building? the business from here been for you and how do you see it can be improved?
1: It has its challenges. It also has its rewards too. I think the benefit of being in a technology business is that I don't need to be anywhere. Sometimes I get asked, are all your schools in Utah? And actually we don't really have many schools in Utah at all. Most of our schools are scattered around the entire United States. The ability to do remote work, it doesn't matter necessarily where I am as far as interacting with our customers. The one thing I would say Is really challenging about it is interacting with our employees. Um, So we have five people on our team. Most of them are based outside of Chicago. And so I try to travel back quarterly um, to meet with them because I think that there's just something to be said about being with somebody face to face. So even if you are in an entirely remote company, getting your group together, you know, quarterly every six months or once a year, um, you just, one, you get a lot more done when you're face-to-face, but then you also build relationships in a different way that I don't think that you can build, you know, doing, we use Microsoft Teams, so doing Teams chats, even though they're video, I think that there's something to be said about sitting across from someone and being in the actual room. So that's been different, but I would say as far as remote working goes, it does give you a lot more flexibility. I mean, I'm a mom, so... I'm able to take my daughter to school, or if she's sick, I'm able to pick her up from school and work later on at night. But that also has its drawbacks because then work becomes your life and there's no separation between your home and your work because your work is your home. And I have to be really cognizant of that, especially our product requires a lot of support and a lot of after-hour support. And for right now, that's actually me doing all the after-hour support. And so I have to be careful to make sure I set aside my home time is my time time. And then, you know, I, the people who have a support issue can wait an hour until my daughter goes to bed and then I can get to their issue. But there's definitely a lot of late nights and a lot of early mornings, which might be perpetuated by the fact that I am at home and I'm not driving to a location all the time. Although this year I am being in this program.
0: You definitely have to create that Balance, and it really doesn't matter. Like if you put in all your energy into the startup and then you keel over and die, <laughs> the business isn't gonna do anyone any good. So like it's important to like weigh it out and like figure out when you need to like maybe take a little pause or focus on your health and stuff like that. So I. So what has been one thing? that surprised you while building this business?
1: One thing that's definitely surprised me about building this business has just been almost like the difference between something that you create and that you build in your head. And then when you get it into the marketplace and you realize the things that you thought were the most important are not important at all. An example of this in our product is we built in a lot of gateways, I guess, for different levels of school administration, different levels of uh, control on accounts. And so because we thought, oh, well, the principal at a school is going to want to approve the dance and make sure that everything looks good. And so there should be this secondary layer of approval from the teacher to the principal before a dance. Once we got into it, we realized the principals aren't involved at all. The teachers and the administrators at the school do everything. They make the decision. So they didn't need that secondary layer of approval. And I was actually Holding them back. And so that's something that we ended up changing in our product to make the experience better. But in the beginning, we thought that it would be the most important to the school, and it ended up not being important. And that's happened with several other features. So I think it's just so critical to get your product out into the market in obviously a very usable form. You don't want to release an MVP that is broken or that is a really terrible experience, but get something there that is something that they can use and give you feedback on and use the people, your users as testers for the product.
0: Yeah, I definitely think that's critical. And I know that's why when people are doing physical products, it's really good to have something, even if it's like a cardboard or a plastic mold, just so people can like feel it, touch it, you know, see how it looks. But with tech, it's obviously a little more complicated. So how has switching from mainly health over uh, technology. How has that been? What have been some things that are the same as like in the health industry? And what are some of the things that are like totally different than you would have expected?
1: So one thing um, that I think is the same, and, and that's really been a lesson in every area that I've, I've worked in or that I've interacted in is the way that you treat people. Our business, as I mentioned, is very customer support heavy. And in the health industry, you're also working with clients. And when I was in consulting, I was working with clients. And so when you're working with clients, our customer support cases, are clients too, there's a lot that you need to do to make sure that they have an incredible experience. And that's really something that I've been able to translate from every job that I've ever worked in is how do I treat someone the way that I would want to be treated. I hate calling a customer service phone call and not getting someone that can help me or feeling like I'm a waste of their time. And so how do I make somebody feel valued? That comes to the the people who are calling in for support, that comes to our employees, that comes to our vendors or anyone else that we're interacting with is just making them feel like they are the most important person to us. And I think that that's translated from working in health and working in wellness with, with clients because they are the most important
0: people to you are the people that are bringing you the revenue but also just because they're people something needs to be said about that because like obviously amazon built their whole company off of customer service and like getting packages out in two days and stuff like that. What would be some of your tips you would share with other people starting a business who want to get more involved with the customers and make them feel more meaningful even if they don't have like a huge budget or a huge team?
1: My biggest tip is to get involved with the customer. So even though I'm the co-founder to the company, I talk to almost all of the heads of our schools or the people that are involved in signing up and in creating the product if, now. I mean, I don't think that I'll be able to talk to them forever as we scale, right? But I think that it's really important, especially in the early stages, to just talk to your customers. That's how you know what is needed. After every single dance, we do a debrief with all of our administrators who ran that dance. And we say, what worked and what didn't work and what could we add to our tool? And that has provided so much valuable insight to to us and then just coming from a place of being treated the way that you want to be treated. We recently got an email from a parent that was just elated about the customer service experience she had had with us, and in my mind, I was thinking, well, you should be having this customer service experience with everyone. You should, you know, leave the conversation feeling, even though we weren't entirely able to solve your problem, we did. We were able to explain to you, you know why we couldn't solve the problem, do whatever we could to make it better, to mitigate anything that went wrong. Um, So just going above and beyond, especially in the early stages of a startup, I think is going to... Pay off for us tenfold. We have really great reviews on Captera, and most of them are around customer support and how incredible our customer support is. And I don't think you find that in every tech company. Some of our competitors, if you look on their website, you wouldn't be able to talk to a person. I think that the value of human connection as we move towards a more technological environment is going to be one of the biggest things that sets the successful companies apart.
0: Yeah, definitely. I feel like some people, even if you can't fix their problem, they just want to be heard. Exactly. What does the competitive landscape for your industry look like?
1: It's kind of interesting. It sort of runs the gamut. We focus on a very specific niche. So we do work with schools primarily for their school dances. None of our competitors are really focusing on school dances. They do a lot of maybe broader school events, particularly theater and athletic events. But we think that there's A different kind of value in the social interaction that a school dance creates. And dances have been around since the 1920s. It's kind of awkward sometimes. The guy has to ask the girl. He might not feel comfortable. Or even in some situations, the girl asks the guy. And it it forces you to be put in a situation that in real life you will be put in. You're going to have to ask someone for something that makes you uncomfortable. And sometimes you might get rejected, and that's like life. And then when you're in a room and you're with bodies, I talked about the human connection. When you're at a dance, you're next to someone. Maybe you are taking a selfie on – Instagram or something while you're there but at the end of the day you're still face to face with a person and that's teaching you life skills that you aren't just getting from playing a game on your phone or you aren't just getting from you know doing classwork on the computer and since everything is moving to technology there's very little opportunity for school-sponsored social interactions and so that's something that we are really passionate about and giving schools the tools to make it easier for them to have these types of events.
0: Yeah, definitely. Failure can hurt, especially when you're a young person. But if if you're too afraid to ask, it'll never happen, first of all. And I'd rather shoot 100 shots and miss 80 of them than sit on the couch and miss all of them because I was too afraid. Failure does hurt right away, but later down the road, you're like, who really even cares, you know? <laughs> no
1: one does. Yeah,
0: so I, th- I think that's super <laughs> important. So tell me a little bit about how the NBC operates and how you're a little bit different from the other companies and just general thoughts on the program.
1: The NBC, the Masters of Business Creation Program, is a brand new program that's part of the LaSon Studios here at the U, and it's been an incredible experience. I would say it's a combination of an accelerator and an MBA in nine months. So it gives you a lot of the things that you would learn in a traditional accelerator as well as gives you the connections. Because that's really the value in an accelerator, right, is you're getting connected to the network of the people who are running the accelerator. But then it gives you this university support that I think has so much value that people don't even realize. MBA is totally different. You go to an MBA class, you're doing a case study on Procter & Gamble. Well, great. It would take me 100 years to get to what Procter & Gamble is today, nor do I even want to get where Procter & Gamble is. It's a totally different company. But in our program, the case study is your company. So we're learning foundational things like your business model and negotiation skills, but it's all within the context of your own issues, your own company, what you're going to either do or have done. And so it's been a really great experience. And then just being around everyone in the program is a founder. We're not even students. We're all founders of companies having the same experiences. You mentioned depression of entrepreneurs. And there's something to be said about having a group of people that you can just talk to about the things that you're going through and that understand the things that you're going through. And I think that having that community, especially if you work from home, makes this life feel a lot less isolating. It's been a great program. I would say we're one of the few in the program that are post-revenue. A number of the companies are pre-revenue. Um, some of them are, are really just early stage ideas. And then now the purpose of the program over the nine months is for them to launch. Some of them are further they're long. Some are medical devices or medical technology. So there's some legal stuff that they have to do. We're post-revenue. And so our goal from the program is to get the tools that we need to scale. So to go from where we are now to you know, million dollars in revenue um, and being able to do that rather quickly.
0: That sounds super intriguing. And I know a lot of people I've talked to, they bring up the connections all the time. It's like that, get an MBA because you want to learn more, but it's also you want to grow your connections and you want to network with like-minded individuals. And I feel like that is a big thing with entrepreneurs is a lot of them feel isolated because their family and friends don't have the same mindsets, there isn't really anyone they can talk to. So I feel like it is incredibly important to find people who are involved in business and who know some of the struggles you're going through for sure. What are some of your goals for the next six months for the company? What are you trying to make happen by the end of the program?
1: We have very robust growth goals. So right now we have a 90% retention with our schools and we've had 200, over 200% growth every dance season. And so our goal in the spring is to continue that growth and retention. And those numbers are very large. And that means a lot of schools and a lot of students. And so for me, it's really getting defined sales processes, defined support processes, building out our support team, building out our development team. And so we're doing a lot around just creating that foundation for scale. And so that's what I'm learning, ways to do better in the program, and then also just meeting the the different connections that I've met here.
0: That's incredible, 90%. I, I don't know very many companies that have that.
1: We have really great customer support. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Sounds like it. What is your thought on the tech community here in Utah and how it just keeps exploding and exploding with all the bigger tech companies wanting to base their companies here in Silicon Slopes?
1: I think it's great, especially living here and growing a company that hopefully will have its own footprint here to just be able to tap into. There's incredible talent in Utah, and I don't think people realize it who don't live here, how talented the people are, how amazing the culture is of the people here, and just the tools and the resources and the community. You were saying the tech community. I'm connected with a lot of different people in the tech community, It's an awesome ecosystem. There's a lot of women in tech here. There's just a lot of people in tech in general. And so it's nice to, again, relationships are the foundation of life and to be in an environment where they're pushing to expand and grow and wanting to connect you with people. I think that it's an amazing place. I was in Silicon Valley a few weeks ago and although I do love San Francisco, I think that what we have here in Utah and what we're growing will be able to take what San Francisco has done and do it in a more planned and authentic way.
0: I definitely agree that there is something special about Utah. We all do love going to like big cities and going to New York and going to LA but for me personally I like coming back to Utah. Things are happening here and yes it may be a little slower than some of us would like. It's definitely happening and I look forward to seeing what's going to happen in the future for sure. So when you think of brands that did it well, which ones do you think of?
1: In a lot of ways, I admire companies for founders. I would say one of the companies that I really admire is Spanx. And I admire Spanx mostly because of Spanx founders, although they also have built an incredible brand too. Sarah Blakely is just, I mean, she's a superhuman. She started that company with nothing. It's what least valued at a billion dollars or close to it. And I think that just her drive and her ability to get past a lot of obstacles and a lot of barriers and then also be a mom of like four kids and a wife and do all of the things while being a genuinely good person. I think that's rare. And so I would say I admire her and what she's been able to do with that.
0: Yeah. She actually just posted on LinkedIn about how it's been 20 years and talking about the progress and I... I thought that was pretty incredible. And since you do have a lot of background in health and stuff, do you have any thoughts about how the health food products have really been booming? And-
1: I want more people to eat healthier in an easy way. I spend four hours on Sunday shopping and prepping food for the whole week. I'm really big on meal prep. But not everyone can do that. Not everyone has the time or the budget. And so I think that having alternative options are good. The only thing is, and I had a lot of clients when I was in health, I'd be like, well, this box said gluten-free. And so I ate the whole box of cookies. And I'm like, you're asking me why you're not losing weight. And it's because you ate an entire box of gluten-free cookies. And just actually, if it's labeled gluten-free, it probably had more sugar in it because it's made with rice flour or they add sugar to make up for the fact that gluten-free flours taste really bad. And so I think it's kind of a a give and take. And if you, you know, you're like, oh, this is gluten free, it's healthy. It doesn't necessarily mean it's healthy. And so I think the, the most that you can eat whole foods is really important. And I think even that's another problem with entrepreneurs too, is that they get really unhealthy. You don't have a lot of time. You're super stressed. You can't exercise. And I can't stress how important it is to just take, you know, maybe it's six hours throughout the whole week to make food, to go to the gym, to just wake up a little bit earlier so that your brain actually function in the way that it's supposed to be functioning. And so I just, I think that that's one thing that's benefited me so much is that I had this foundation of health. I still wake up at 4.30 in the morning and go to the gym, not every single day, but most days of the week. And it's because I had that foundation of health that I can then build on that. And even when I'm stressed, it's my stress reliever. And so it's just really important to not let your health slip for the sake of building your company.
0: Yeah, I would totally agree with that, and everyone's at a different point, but as long as they make one or two baby steps every week or every month, then they'll be further along, and you don't have to, like, go all in, but also just because it is labeled health food, it's all about balancing it out. Like, you could eat, like, a ton of rice, and you're not going to be any healthier than someone who eats, like, a little fried food, you know? It's all about balancing out things. And do you have any final thoughts or any words of wisdom you would share with people who are trying to get started but maybe they're not quite there or they're working on something but they need a little motivation?
1: One of my favorite quotes is um, by Marie Forleo and she actually just released a book with the title is this quote and the quote is, everything is figureoutable. And I think if you're starting something or you're in the middle of something or even if you've figured stuff out, there's always going to be something where you feel like you don't know. It's like you don't see the light at the end of the tunnel or the light is really hazy because there's so many things that you have to do in the middle of the way. And it's just taking it one piece at a time and figuring it out. Everything, for the most part, you can figure out. You can Google anything now. You can YouTube anything. Like there's so much, there's almost too much information available and then you get debilitated by that. But just take it one little piece at a time and figure it out. And, you know, I, I don't know what I'm doing all the time, but I'm at least failing forward and putting something together and then seeking other people's help and getting what I need to get done.
0: Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with that. You're never gonna be a hundred percent, but if you can get started and get the ball rolling, you will be able to figure out what needs to be tweaked and stuff. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you. This has been awesome. Any news you would like to share about updates about my school dance or other things you're working on?
1: No, but if you are a school or if you knew someone at a school particularly a high school you can find us on social media or at myschooldance.com um, and it's free for the
0: schools so i hope you guys have an incredible week and don't forget to live life one percent better each and every day smash that subscribe button and start downloading each and every episode of our podcast. It only takes than 30 seconds, and it means the absolute world to us. Until next time, this has been a Unscripted Startups production. Don't forget to check us out online at unscriptedstartups.com or on your favorite social media platform at Unscripted Startups.